0: We're doing Catalyst and uh, focusing on the art of neighboring. So this is part two of of the art of neighboring part is kind of inside uh catalyst. Catalyst is our idea of a group of people uh, deciding that by our talk, by our life, uh, by how we live, our enthusiasm, how we can be inspiring and energetic to bring about the transformation of our community, our neighborhoods, uh, those around us. So um, thinking a lot about this, Cheryl and I are working together on it. You know, when it comes to neighboring, uh, Jesus was asked uh, to, to put it down in a, a summary. And he said to love God with everything that's in you and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I think Jesus understood that we are, um, that we tend to, to build bridges toward people that we feel comfortable with. Would you agree with that? It's easy to do that. We sort of protect ourselves that way. Uh, You know, it's a lot easier to build a fence than it is to build a bridge. It's a lot easier to build a, to build a, bridges require a lot of thinking and preparation. Most of the time, physical bridges need an engineer, right? To know how much weight it can hold and the traffic flow and all of that kind of stuff. Um, It's, uh, it's, it's easy, a lot easier uh, to kind of build a wall than to build a bridge. The same is true in our relationships. If we are not intentional about building bridges with other people in our life, we'll sort of say just connected into those people that are, that are close to us. Uh, if we don't pursue others around us, it might be easy to build walls around those people that maybe are different than us or that we haven't fully met yet. Um, so, I'm encouraging us to think about uh, building bridges through um, our neighboring together. Now, I heard about these two guys. Uh, Michael and Larry. Now theirs is a little extreme story, but Michael noticed that there were some minorities and some different kind of people that were moving into his neighborhood. And so he decided, he he thought it might be a little tough for them, so he was going to make some welcome baskets and take take it over to them. Well, he heard that it was another guy that had moved in the neighborhood, and his name was Larry. And Larry was an officer with the Ku Klux Klan. And so he had been telling these minorities and others in his neighborhood, you need to get out of here. I'm going to mess up your property. And so he was threatening people. Well, Michael heard about Larry. And as a matter of fact, Larry even called Michael and heard what he was doing with the welcome baskets. And he left him a voicemail and said, you're going to have trouble, buddy, if you don't, if you don't quit doing that. Um, so uh, Michael contacted him back and said, Larry, I noticed that you are in a wheelchair and you have trouble getting around. He said, I'd be so happy to put you in my van and for us to go run some errands, take you to the grocery store or the post office or whatever you need. You know, maybe once a week I could take you and do that. And let me know if you'd like to go. Well, o- Larry could not believe that a stranger that he didn't even know is offering to help him. Well, Michael pursued it, took him around. Within just a few weeks, they became friends. Do you know the guy left the Ku Klux Klan? and their community, their neighborhood was a better place because Michael reached out to his neighbors. See, that's what we're encouraging you to do is to think about it. One more little story. Heard about this university president who was trying to get the line going when he was giving out diplomas. You know, he's shaking hands and making them go across. So he said something to them that I don't even think he fully realized. He said, congratulations, keep moving. Congratulations, keep moving. Um, That's what this series is about. Thank God for all that God has done in your life. We sang, we gave him great praise, but let's keep moving. Let's think about neighboring. Let's be a catalyst in our community.
1: So the question is, are we truly walking in obedience uh, to the clear commands of Jesus? Um, We got to figure out what really matters, what really matters. And so for us to love our neighbor, what really matters? blank is your want to matters. I'm not sure that's proper English, but it matters. How willing are you? What's your want to like? Do you want to be a good neighbor? So when we think about what matters in good neighboring, first question is, how's my relationship with Christ? Do I really care if I'm being obedient or not? So am I willing to have my want to change? that makes sense? So you think about, if you've made a commitment to Christ, if you said, yes, I'm asking him to forgive my sins, I'm choosing every day to wake up and live for him, I wanna live in obedience to him, guess what? He's got some really clear commands in scripture. Now I love coming to church and I love when we leave and I feel like, yes, I got this, I can do this, I feel encouraged, but I also, I don't know if this is a weird part of me, but I kinda like it when my toes get stepped on a little bit. So today, protect your toes, all right? Because we got to keep moving. We've got to be obedient. So when we're thinking about my want to, uh, let me remind you of the great commandment. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay, so think about that. Do you love him with all your heart? With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Okay, so if you're looking at that and you're thinking, yes, I'm in, yep, yep, I do. Check, 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 all those kinds of things. Then the second part says, "And love your neighbor as yourself." Now this is kind of one of those situations where you ever hear somebody talk about the fruit of the spirit—love, joy, peace, patience, kind of good, especially with self-control. All right. So I did that without singing, which is pretty good because usually I got to sing all that. Um, it says the fruit of the spirit. So we don't get to go through and say, "I am excellent at love and joy," but self-control—I'm not going to do that. All right. We don't get to do that. It's the same thing as this. Alright, we don't get to pick and choose what Jesus' commands are. I'm gonna love God with all my strength and all with mine, but I'm gonna kind of save back my heart and my soul, and the neighbor's kind of iffy. So where are you at with Jesus? Your want-to matters. Whether or not you're willing, you're willing to follow his commands. Now I want you to think about when it's creepy. We've actually had somebody use that word. I'm not gonna do this art and neighboring thing because it's creepy. That's what somebody said to us. Well, think about it. Hello, perfect stranger that I haven't talked to in years. I'm your neighbor. It's a little creepy, right? Now, you might not want to do it with that face, but it is a little bit creepy. So, am I only going to be obedient to what Jesus commands if it's non-creepy? If it's uncomfortable. Of course it's uncomfortable. It's not, it doesn't seem like, doesn't feel like a normal thing to just start introducing and decide we're going to be friends because we live next door. Sorry. If you want to move, that's fine, but we're going to be friends, okay? (laughs) Uh, I love that pastor, when he met that lady last week, and she said, I don't have any friends, and he went up right to her and said, my name's Lloyd, this is Kim, we're going to be friends. You know, that girl in her mind might have thought, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we are or not, okay? So it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And sometimes, doggone it, I'm just lazy. Just the truth of it. My couch is fantastic. You know, when you've worked all week and you think, ah, that thing for church, I haven't necessarily talked to my neighbors this week, but man, that lazy boy looks good, right? Sometimes I'm just lazy. So we got to decide, does my want to matter? Yes, it does. And I have to be willing to be obedient to Christ, even if it's creepy, uncomfortable, even if I'm a little bit lazy. Remembering that, this is my favorite part, the Holy Spirit through his prevenient grace, when I pray for somebody... The Holy Spirit's there way before I get there, and the Holy Spirit stays way after I'm there. So even if I go and don't do a bang-up job, the Holy Spirit's in charge of all that anyway. So he's there, and he's moving that person's heart and speaking love and encouragement and grace into that person's heart. So find the freedom in that. If you go and you come back and you feel like, I don't know if that went that well, remember, as soon as you start praying, the Holy Spirit's a part of that too. So don't miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: The Bible gives us even, even more. So it's just some verses that could help us um, realize that it's more than just even just loving our neighbor. He gives us some specific guidance for that. First Peter 410 says, each of you, I think that's all of us, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Uh, using these gifts and abilities, the resources, all the things that you have, just who you are. Each of you should use whatever gift you received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. What that means is that all of us are different, all of us live in different places, so we have this obvious kingdom impact because there are all kinds of gifts in all kinds of neighborhoods and all kinds of places in all kinds of forms. That's what he's up to. He's encouraging us not just just to think about neighbors to the church, but the neighbors that are all around you. Uh, Romans twelve eleven says, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor." How do you do that? By serving the Lord, by offering yourself to others, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That's what he's wanting us to do, to be out there, to be expressing uh, good and sharing with others, with with our neighbors. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, uh, do it all for the glory of God. So recognizing what God wants us to do. So want to really matters. He wants us to, to be a participant in loving our neighbor. Number two, second thing is that motive matters. Motive matters. Now, one of the things that Cheryl and I have been thinking a lot about is that when it comes to neighbor, neighboring, please realize that we are not trying to offer you the latest evangelism strategy. Mm-hmm. You okay with that? Mm-hmm. What that means is that if evangelism is our only motive, then we might not be very good neighbors. Yeah. Listen to me now. If neighboring is done right... With the right attitude, the right then then people that don't know God are certainly going to come to know Him in a stronger way because they know You, because they're connected uh, to You in Your life. So uh, she's got these three words right here. This is kind of giving us a sort of a how-to. How do how do we start? Well, maybe some of the people she described it already. Some of the people in your neighborhood are strangers. So we're thinking about stranger to acquaintance, and acquaintance to relationship. So stranger means that I have... Now, somebody can be a stranger, and you can still know a little bit about them. You probably know where they live. You might know the car that they drive in and out their garage. You might know a few things about their front yard, or maybe you know some negative things that you're not really totally happy about. Um, But you you know what it takes to move from stranger to acquaintance? I know your name. You know, if you don't know somebody's name, how can they even hardly be an acquaintance? Maybe just somebody that you wave to, but if you're in a progress and you want to develop some kind of relationship, you want to know this person a little better, you want to be a good neighbor. <laughs> Then we learn uh, their names. Uh, I've been working uh, on uh, this little card here. Uh, you still got your little card. This, this will be in there next week uh, for you because we're two weeks away from neighboring night. So, um, you yeah, know, I'm still working on ours. Uh, yesterday... Uh, Kim told me that um, these these neighbors right down the street had heard about the dessert theater and so she's got them, she got them tickets to dessert theater and so she took them down there and while they 're talking they mentioned the people across the street now we know it 's Vicki and Larry, but we didn 't know their last name and now they those people across the street they knew their last name it was so exciting so we, we, we got it on there so that was the, just trying to find uh, the, the connection there so that we're learning more about them. That we're moving from stranger to acquaintance. And, and then our, our second goal is in the move from acquaintance to relationship moving from acquaintance to relationship is not as clean and easy as that. It is. There's really no tool or no specific way to do that. It's uh, creating an environment where a relationship might develop and might grow into something. So what, what is that going to be? What steps would God want you to be taking related to the, maybe those eight or so neighbors that might be around you uh, that are on that card there? Now, as you think about that, This strategy, notice that there are two kinds of motives to have. There's the ulterior motive and the ultimate motive. Ulterior and ultimate. Let's talk a little bit about those. What's an ulterior motive? An ulterior motive means something is intentionally kept concealed. Something's concealed. We don't say the same thing out in the open as we might say uh, in, in private. So it's an ulterior motive. The ulterior motive might be connected to like a manipulation or we have some kind of agenda uh, that's going on there. Let's compare that to an ultimate motive. Ultimate motive means uh, the eventual or the longed for destination. Uh, an example of that, like that might be of um, somebody in college, like these girls sitting down here are good college girls, that they have some kind of ultimate destination. Might not know what that is just yet. You're kind of working on it. We asked them the other night how many minor or majors they had changed, and a bunch of kids said, you know, all kind of different majors they had changed. Uh, but they have some ultimate goals in mind, dreams of what they hope to happen. The ulterior motive in good neighboring might be, be that our goal is simply to share the gospel with them. But the ultimate goal is to share Jesus through a relationship with them. Do you notice the difference there? We don't go into it with an agenda um, where we are trying to, to get something accomplished. We want to be clear with them. We want to have good motives. Now, listen, we believe, don't we, that the decision to enter a relationship with Jesus Christ as the son of God is the most important decision a person can make. Amen. We believe that Jesus provides real solutions to our problems in our personal lives and our society. We believe that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for every single person's life. So sharing the story of Jesus and his impact on our life, that jesus that's a good motive to have. But Jesus didn't say, love your neighbors until they get saved. He just said, love your neighbor, period. Right? right? So it's not that we don't want them to know Jesus but we don't have this ulterior motive here's the quote listen to this we don't love our neighbors to convert them we love our neighbors because we are converted would you say that out loud? It's in the print right there. Ready? We, we don't, don't love, love our, our neighbors, neighbors to convert, convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. converted. You could take that home and put it on Facebook right there because that is powerful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I know some of you do that. I follow you along on some of that. Uh, that's powerful for us to see that because of who we are and what Christ has done for us, that becomes our motivation. That becomes, uh, you know, it's not just Cheryl wanted me to or, or whatever. Um, we are called to love people, period. So, whether or not they take that next step, we are called to love them unconditionally, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and the command ends right there. The good neighboring idea, being a good neighbor, is an end in itself. And if you love Jesus, then he will naturally come up in our conversations
1: so there's certain conversation patterns that happen just pretty naturally that we can kind of become accustomed to where are we uh, on these in within these three strategies here so the conversation pattern number one the things we can see the things we can see so that's a great conversation so I'm over here I'm talking out on the sidewalk with the person I just met they're a stranger to me I'm a stranger to them so the things we can see, hey, it's a nice day today, don't you think? Look at this great weather. You just We live in Illinois, so just wait. Tomorrow it'll be snowing, right? You have that kind of conversation. Or did you see they put new siding on down the street there? It looks really nice. I like it a lot. I wonder what color shutters they're going to put on. Things I can see, things I'm looking at right now that we can have a conversation about. It seems like the traffic's going a lot faster. We maybe need to talk to somebody about that. Who, who is that driving down the street so fast? Those are stranger conversations, all right? That's the first one. Then basic personal information is the second to our conversation pattern. So I'm kind of scooching now because now I'm, having some, I'm talking about some personal information. How long have you lived here? Do you like it on this block? Is it pretty nice? Where would you grow up? Uh, what do you do for a living? Are you married? How long have you guys been married? Do you have any kids? Yeah, yeah. How would you guys meet? Okay. So you're having basic personal information. So you see I'm scooching. I'm scooching from stranger towards acquaintance, all right. The third one is our dreams and desires. Now, this can be on this side of acquaintance, or it can also be on this side of acquaintance, because it depends on how this conversation goes as you're starting to talk through. So, what do you love most about what you do? What kind of a difference do you think your job's making, or or your volunteer work is making, or how you're you're parenting? Uh, If you could do anything in the world, what would you do? See how we're continuing to scooch down the line? All right, so these conversation patterns kinda happen naturally. Now, if I say only what do I see and I never move from there, then I'm kinda stuck at Stranger. Hey, she got a new bike, it's nice. Like at some point I gotta start moving, okay? And the fourth one where I'm getting real dangerously close to having a relationship with these people, the fourth one is our regrets losses, and pain. I thought it was really unusual uh, last week when Pastor was talking about that he had been in that guy's house for just a couple minutes, and he started cheering about his wife having breast cancer and the struggles that they had had the last few, few months, even years. I thought that was really interesting, because I don't think usually you get in that, co- that type of conversation until you're down the road a little bit. So I thought that was pretty trusting. That woman who said, I don't have any friends, what a remarkable thing, because they kind of skipped acquaintance altogether. They went from stranger clear to relationship, where he was offering, we're we're Lloyd and Kim, we want to be friends. All right? So you come all the way down here, regrets, losses, and pain, creating a safe environment for people to share. We need to be authentic and honest if we want this to happen. So maybe the first person to share a regret or a loss is you. Maybe the first person to be vulnerable is you. You know, I find it much easier to have this conversation, the fourth one, sitting down on my couch drinking a a sweet tea. It's kind of difficult to do that clear out on the sidewalk, isn't it? So you see also that you're coming in towards, maybe you're sitting around your kitchen table. Maybe you're sitting on your back porch instead of your front porch. So there's definitely a move down this line, all right? But we've got to be willing. Remember, our want to matters. We've got to be willing to move. But our motive matters. What Pastor was just talking about, you feel that in your spirit, don't you? Do you ever have somebody invite you to dinner and you're like, this is so nice. We're going to go and have dinner. Wonderful, play cards or something. So I get to know them a little bit better and you sit down and they say, I've got a fantastic networking opportunity for you. Yeah? And you're like, shoot, (laughs) this isn't real. Okay, so we got to make sure that we're watching our motives. All right? So we're moving down this. We need to recognize Every single one of us has a story. You have a story, right? Um, it's been a remarkable thing how many grandparent stories I've heard these, this last week and a half or so because we're in this brand new stage of our life now. So people are sharing about how great it is and it's so exciting and you've all been correct. It's all been right. But we all have a story to share. Well, guess what? Your neighbor does too. Your neighbor has a story to share. And so for you to take time to go from stranger to acquaintance to relationship to learn that story, isn't it an interesting thing? When your story and their story starts to intersect, and what could happen if they start to recognize that God has a story and that their story has a place in his story? That's our ultimate goal, not our interior, ter- oh my goodness, old motive, old terior, thank you. The other one's in your heart, isn't it? <laughs> it's, not our, it's not our motivation, but that is our goal, isn't it? that our story and their story and God's story would all intersect. What a beautiful thing.
0: And the motivation in some ways for us is that verse from Matthew 5, uh, where Jesus is talking about us being salt and light. Maybe you're familiar with that that kind of verse. I printed it for us in the message because it speaks so clearly to the motivation that we have. He says, uh, you're here to be light, Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret being kept to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. If you make, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now I put you up there on a hilltop on a light stand. Shine, keep an open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God this generous Father in heaven. Don't you love that? Such good language. It's got all that neighboring language in there, encouraging us to shine and to be who God called us to be, to be salt and light in the world around us. Um, One quote here from from the book says, Jesus isn't just trying to make moral people. We can trust that he offers us a way of life that is simply better than any other. Your neighbors are not just your pet projects, but could become your friends. Mm -hmm. Simply talk about whom you love and why you love them. Be real. Speak from your heart and let God lead the way. That speaks so profoundly about the motivation that we have in this art of neighboring. Now, our our third one is time.
1: Time. So your want to matters, your motive matters, time matters, right? So you got all these relationships that you're trying to manage, and now we are saying, let's Add eight more relationships, six, seven, eight more relationships by the people who live around you, and you're like, ay, yay, yay. How am I supposed to do that? I don't have any time now. How am I supposed to juggle that? And so, part of that is figuring out: um, Do I have margin in my life? Um, am I able to work that out? And so, there's three lies that we need to be clear on um, that that are uh, proved to us that are imbalance. Our pace, our margin, if you will, which we talked about all summer, if we get that messed up, then our time's not going to be right. So the lies are, uh, number one, things will settle down someday. Uh, When you die, that's when that happens, okay? So unless you are very intentional about your strategy of your life and rescheduling things, that's when things can settle down, all right? Lie number two, uh, more will be enough. It will never be enough. You can do more, you can have more, you can be more, but contentment becomes the issue there. So it will never be enough, okay? And the third lie is everybody lives like this. Well, I will tell you Jesus doesn't live like this, all right? Um, This frantic pace that a lot of us are living at is just not normal. Um, We know that pastor has been very vulnerable with us, uh, very honest about everything that happened for his health this summer. And he has said, I was arrogant and it was my fault. How many of us are living at a frantic pace that if we looked at ourselves in the mirror honestly and said, this is my fault. (laughs) This this schedule that I'm keeping, I got myself into this. So if I got myself into it, with God's help, I can get myself out of it. Um, The healthiest person that ever lived was Jesus. He got a lot done. But when we read about his life, the word hurried never comes to mind. Jesus came to offer us a different way of living. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now we might read that as a full schedule. He meant a full, meaningful life. It doesn't necessarily mean this frantic pace that we all try and keep. And so let's not fall victim to those three lies.
0: We're looking at, thinking about our time, recognizing the way that God gives some demonstration of that. One way is the story in Luke 10 of Martha and Mary. Uh, You remember uh, their story. A story points out that there is a better way. It's right after the story we looked at last week, which is the Good Samaritan. So in that story, uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, and Martha is up doing tasks around the house. Here's how it sounds. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. Them. she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made she came to him and asked I'm, I'm not sure how the voice sounded but Lord don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself tell her to help me Martha Martha I wonder what the tone was in that, too. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, you can hear uh, Jesus, uh, it, you know, it's crazy that Martha gets reprimanded for serving Jesus. But that's exactly the point, isn't it? The story is so powerful because Jesus is saying that sometimes we have to learn how to keep things in balance. How to, how to say no, how to say yes to the right things. Uh, looking at that, uh, you notice that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. You know, in the, the Hebrew culture there, um, for someone to sit at the, the master's feet would have been a disciple. You know, we sort of think about all the disciples being men, but it sounds like Mary was being a disciple. Don't you love how Jesus loves women and loves to bring them in and create opportunities for them to be able to to, to serve? You know, we try to model that here. You notice kind of what we're doing there, um, recognizing that uh, he he wanted um, Mary to to. Martha not to be overwhelmed by the distractions around her we we read about uh John Ortberg said he coined the phrase hurry sickness hurry sickness Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is one thing that hurried people uh, do not have. So we're, tr- we're talking about finding a balance so that we can love our neighbors as, as ourselves. How do we do that?
1: So we have these principles, these three life balancing principles. So first of all, number one is make the main thing the main thing, all right? According to Scripture, number one is God. Number two is my family. Number three is supposed to be my neighbors. He talked about that right off the bat. And if we go back to Good Samaritan, remember we talked about that last week. Is the whole world my neighbor? Yep, they are. But so is the person who lives right next door to you, okay? So if I'm trying to get my priorities straight, this is my life. This is Cheryl's life, all right? So I got this big jar, got these big rocks in the bottom of it. This is all the stuff. This is an interesting exercise if you've never done it. Get a piece of paper, write down everything you do everything you do. And then take a pen and circle the things that only you can do, all right? So when I look at my sheet, I've got things like John's wife and laundry, right? Those are both things that I do. Well, guess what? I'm the only one that can be John's wife. You remember that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But somebody else could do laundry, right? So I gotta make the main things the main things. So you gotta go through and you gotta prioritize your life. What are my main things, all right? Then you can start and add all these other things. I got all this other stuff going on. I'm volunteering at church, and I'm doing my job, and I'm meeting my neighbors, and I'm helping all this stuff, all right? So I'm putting in all these extra things that are important things that maybe God's calling me to do at the time, but it's filling up my life quick, right? And if I didn't start with this, if I didn't start with the big rocks on the bottom, I'm not going to have enough room to get my big rocks in, am I? So I started with my big stuff, now I'm adding my little stuff. And so it's getting pretty full, but boy, you know what? God's really got me busy right now. He's got me doing lots of important things. But then comes along, I'm supposed to be a good neighbor, going to church. Pastor Brock and Cheryl are talking about being a good neighbor, I'm supposed to go be a good neighbor, having a great spirit about it, obviously. Okay? <laughs> and so I need to add this other stuff. So here's this other stuff, this important stuff, but how am I going to fit it? Well, if I put the important stuff in first, then all of a sudden I have room for this kind of thing, all these other wonderful things that I want in my life, and I'm finding, holy cow, I got a lot more room in there than I thought I did because I got my priorities straight. My main thing was the main thing. I can keep on adding stuff that God's asking me to do, like additional relationships, because I got the main things in first. But then he wants to pour all these blessings on me. My lands, look at all this that my life can hold if I get the right things in the right order. And he just keeps adding more blessings on top of it. And now I'm making friends with my neighbors. And now I'm finding out there's all this room to be able to add more and more and more and more. You wouldn't have thought all that could fit in there, would you? But because you get the main thing, the main thing, the priorities in the right order, all of a sudden, all these different things can fit in there. Now look at those blessings are just oozing on down. They're just going to keep oozing and once it fills uh, that up, there's going to be a little more room for a little more blessing and God knows that and he loves to keep pouring and pouring and pouring it on. So number one, make the main thing the main thing. Number two, we've got to eliminate time stealers. He mentioned Facebook earlier. You know, Facebook is a great thing and it's a time stealer. It just is. Um, There's lots of things that are time stealers. TV is a time stealer. Um, It's uh, it can be fun. It can be relaxing, but you also at least for me I can look at the clock and think well, where did those two hours go? And that wasn't really a great movie. So I just trashed two hours of my life for not really a great movie. What just happened? So time stealers video games sorry can be time stealers I know lots of times we even load games on our phone to be like a relaxation time. What we need to look at is, is any of that adding uh, positive worth to my life? So if, it's, if there's nothing positive contributed to your life because of it, it could be a time stealer. So you got to pay attention to that because if this is out of whack, check that first. Eliminate your time stealers. There is an art to elimination, because you got to figure out what should go. What can I give up and still live a positive life? What can I give up and still keep moving forward? And number three is be interruptible. Be interruptible. I need to make a conscious effort to adjust my thinking to accommodate my neighbors. That's an interesting statement, doesn't it? What can I do to adjust my thinking, my schedule to accommodate my neighbors? I told you last week about meeting the neighbor across the street that I could not get to. Well, I began to adjust my schedule to accommodate theirs because I wanted to be able to meet them. So I, I became a little stalkerish, looking out the front window. Are there two cars, are there two, there's two cars, I'm going, you know, so that kind of a thing. Um, so, you know, you could bring that down a few notches maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but recognizing how am I, what am I doing to accommodate my neighbors Um, Neighboring starts when I am flexible and compassionate. That's where it begins. So if I refuse to be compassionate or flexible, I am not going to be a good neighbor. So I have to pay attention to that. Those will help me regulate my pace. So this, my priorities will get better in tune as I am compassionate and flexible because that re-regulates my pace. That allows me to have some margin. When we create the right margins, we can live at a level of peace that allows us to be interruptible. You've got no peace in your life, I guarantee you, you will not be interruptible because you already feel harried. So you've got to allow peace into your life for you to be interruptible. Do I live at a pace? Do I have enough margin in my life that I can be interruptible for my neighbors? It's a good question for all of us to ask.
0: All right, we're at the end. So we're thinking, Uh, what, what are we going to do here? So how are we going to respond? There, there's a story of um, this man. I, he was the guy that actually has constructed uh, Rushmore. And so he got a lot of other opportunities to use his sculptor ability. And um, so he, was, he had this huge piece of marble... At his, at his house that had been there for a long time, and he'd never done anything with it, but he knew sometime he would get commissioned to do it, uh, to do some piece of art, and eventually he got, he got this opportunity. And so he began to carve um, this, this huge block of marble that he had, and he had a maid that came and worked in his house and uh, helped to clean his house, and she had seen that thing there for a long time. And then one day she's walking by, and she said to him, is that Abraham Lincoln? And he said, yes, that's Abraham Lincoln. And her question was, how did you know he was in there? Mm -hmm. And the reason that he was able to do that was that he had double vision. He was able to see it for what it was, but also what it could be. That's the way God is. God sees things the way they are, but he also knows what could be. See, he looks at all of us. Now, some of you, just a few of you probably sitting in here thinking, I'm not doing it, no matter what they say. I want, I want you to decide uh, who, you could even write down at the bottom of your outline there, who you're praying for? Who, who's, who, what neighbor are you praying for? Who are you thinking about inviting? And We talked about all this. How do we be a catalyst? What are you praying about? And even more specific, what would God want you to do over the next seven days? We're, we're, you know, we're going to bring this topic up again next Sunday, just by the way. Uh, part three will be here. Uh, what are you going to do over the next week? Uh, what, what could you do that is going to begin to make a difference in loving your neighbor as Christ has encouraged you? See, he's our motivation in it. Um, you know, we're going to take communion together. Uh, if you have that, uh, why don't you grab it and let's stand together you just pull that top piece off and it reveals the bread and then you pull back the bigger piece and the juice is there here's the verse i was thinking about the bible says in John 1:14 the word became, became flesh The word became flesh, and the message says, and he moved into the neighborhood. Don't you love that? It means that Christ came, and he took on flesh. That's what this bread represents. He's flesh and blood. That's what this communion represents for us. But he moved into the neighborhood. You know, Jesus showed up, so that he could get to you. You know, his neighborhood was the whole planet. He came among us. Aren't you grateful for the people that Jesus used to get to you? The people, I know you got some people you're thankful for some people that you're grateful for that told you about the gospel, that loved you, that invited you to church, that cared about you when you had problems and has prayed for you. Maybe it was mama or dad or grandma or a pastor, or maybe it was just a friend, somebody that God has sent your way. Well, guess what? You get to be them. God has double vision. He not only sees what is, but he looks at all of us and he says, what could be? The friend that you could influence the neighbor and our motivation is what he's done for us. So we take this piece of bread and we eat it in remembrance that Jesus Christ moved into our neighborhood. He came in the flesh and gave himself for us. Let's eat this bread in remembrance of him. This juice represents the blood of Jesus the blood that has forgiven us of all of our sin. How could we do anything else but what he commanded and encouraged us to do? We gotta be motivated because of what he has done for us. We drink this juice in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for us, forgave our sin, and the Bible says, be very, very thankful. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for motivating us. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for showing up in our neighborhood. Thanks for getting to know us, not leaving us as strangers to God, but not only loving us, but getting in relationship with us. Lord, we pray that today you would hear our prayers for our neighbors, for our friends, those people that live around us, that maybe there's somebody there. Lord, maybe it's not eight or 10. Maybe it's just the one. Maybe it's just one or two that you want us to reach out. I pray that you would help us all to do something. Help us prepare for neighboring night that's coming in two weeks. Reveal to us what you want us to do, even if it feels a little creepy and we don't really want to. Help us to know that we're responding. To what you've called us to do and to be. We love you, Lord. So we, we feel it today. Congratulations. Keep moving mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. Go be a great neighbor.